0: We, uh, we are continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer called Encounter. I've really enjoyed it. I've really appreciated some of the pictures you have sent with your place of prayer uh, these weeks. I've also appreciated some of the stories that I'm hearing. Uh, last weekend we talked about Thy Kingdom Come. I hope you found some opportunities this week to bring the kingdom to earth, to believe God that we can make a difference while living here on this earth. The Lord's Prayer... Um, if you haven't been around in this series, we've been breaking it down week by week. Our Father, who art in heaven where he is, Jesus is praying this prayer sincerely from his heart in front of his disciples because they asked him, teach us to pray. They were getting filled up with watching people pray. The Pharisees would stand on the street corners and quote Scripture and have long, wordy prayers, and people were in awe of all of that. It was a show-off prayer. This is not a show-off prayer. This is sincerely from the heart of the Lord to his Father. Our Father who art in heaven, holy or hallowed be thy name. And then last weekend, the first petition of the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring what's up there, bring it down here. Let us be the people of the kingdom. And then we have today the only personal request in the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Say it with me. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a simple thought. And I want to just open this up and talk a little bit about what it means. Now, I uh, spent some time yesterday baking some bread, and so <laughs> I, I, love, I love bread. like this is French bread. I like sourdough too, and it smells so good. Um, when I hold a loaf of bread like this, I immediately how, how many of you have like a bread story? Uh, a memory of bread? Someone make? My grandma, um, my grandma and grandpa I've told you this before, had a, a wonderful farm just outside of Howard, Kansas, just down from Sedan, Kansas. And in the summer, all of us cousins would meet there and help my grandpa buck hay. And they had cattle and chickens and all kinds of livestock, all kinds of stuff. And so we would work hard. But my grandma, every morning after breakfast, all the boys had to go outside for the day, right, till lunch. We were like kicked out of the house. Go to the river, go fishing, go do whatever you want. And we did, or go work. But my mom, my grandma would bake bread all morning. So when we would come back to the house for lunch and we would walk into that house, I still, to this day, have this memory. Every time I, I smell bread, I think of my grandma and her cooking all that bread for us and baking bread. It's just a wonderful smell. It's interesting that Jesus used something so simple to say something so profound. And that's what we're going to discover as we walk through this today. Number one, if you have a program, you can turn it to the back side and just fill in some blanks if you'd like to. Number one, bread sustains our physical needs. This is a very practical part of the prayer, and God likes it when we're practical. God likes it when we just get down to business and say, this is what I'm praying for, this is what I need. The Bible says he knows our needs before we even ask, but we're also instructed to ask him. And so Jesus is simply, after he acknowledges his Father, his holy name, and thy kingdom come, he says, give us this day, our daily bread. Bread is a staple food in every country of the world. It's common. It's it's not special. Even though, good grief, I I almost took a picture. I probably should have to put on the screen of a grocery store here in town that I was looking at bread when I was buying this. There's like an entire aisle of just different kinds of bread. It's everywhere. And, and it's, it's common. You buy bread, you probably eat bread every day, just about, unless you're on the Atkins thing. I get that, okay? But it's fascinating that even in a restaurant, when you go, some, some restaurants will, right when you sit down, they'll say, hey, we're going to bring some bread to the table, and usually it's warm, and there's butter, or there's oil, or something that they, you can mix around and eat it. How many of you are getting hungry right now? Just think, <laughs> yeah. That warm bread, there's nothing nothing like it. So, so Jesus in Matthew 4, before he, he starts his ministry, he goes out for 40 days and he's tempted in the wilderness by Satan. Remember this? There are three major temptations that Satan hit him with. One of them is food. Now, I, I am grateful that I can say this. I have never been starving. I've never truly starved. I've gone a few days without food. i fasted. I know what hunger feels like, but I've never been in a position in my life where I haven't had access to food, and I'm very grateful for that. Many of you would say the same thing as that. So I can't fully understand what 40 days without food might be and how hungry you would be. But Satan knew that Jesus would be really, really ravenously hungry. And he said, why don't you, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread? doesn't seem like a big temptation to us, but if you're really, really hungry and you have the power and you're fully God to turn stones to bread, uh, you just might do it. But Jesus makes a statement. He says, man does not live by bread alone. So it's not just bread that keeps us alive. He's basically saying there's more to mankind than physical food. The spirit man matters most. The freedom of our soul what's going on in our conscience what's going on in our lives that spirit man that has receptors toward the presence of God that's what Jesus knew was most important but still it involved bread in that temptation I also think of the Old Testament in Exodus when the children of Israel um, leave Egypt and they're wandering around in the desert and they're hungry and what does God do he gives them manna, which is like a sweet doughy bread And every morning that manna would be picked up from the ground. It would fall from heaven so that they could be sustained on a daily basis. It wouldn't last. You couldn't save it. You had to eat it now or it would uh, rot. And so it's fascinating and it's important that we realize Jesus is saying, give us this day our daily bread, our daily bread. Bread is used in a variety of ways in our culture. If I said to you, who's the breadwinner in your home? What does that mean? It means who makes the dough. (laughs) Even dough has the connotation of money. Who makes the dough? Why? Because it's that staple. It's that bread has that satisfaction on a daily basis. Number two in your outline, bread brought people together. Now, this one is, is very important in the sense of Jesus' day especially because what would happen is you would go into a home in, in Israel where Jesus uh, grew up and lived. He never traveled more than like 70 miles away from his hometown. And it was customary when you walked into a home, your feet would be washed, rinsed off, and if you were going to eat a meal with someone, or it was pretty common, what they would call break bread together. Because it looked more like this. There were loaves of bread. As a matter of fact, just a side note. Does anybody know, how many of you realize Jesus did not have sliced bread? <laughs> Do you know no one had sliced bread until 1928? July 7th, 1928. Just one of those facts you needed to know today, okay? <laughs> That's when the slicer was created. I won't go into the history. It was it's kind of a fun story, but anyway... So they would break the bread. So that's the phrase, let's break bread. When they said, let's break bread together, it meant let's have a meal, let's eat. So they, would, they didn't have chairs and tables in their homes. They would recline, and they would lay on blankets and cushions, and they would lay on their, like on their elbow, and then they would pass a, a loaf like this around, and you would break off a chunk, and you would help yourself. So breaking bread meant that you were coming together as a group, and you were sharing a meal. Still to this day, if you really want to get to know somebody and get to know their personal life, have a meal with them. Because you're, you're eating, you're talking, things come up you don't expect. One time, one time Bonnie and I were invited over to someone's house who said, we just want to get to know you better. We said, we'd love to get to know you too. And it was before church that night. And uh, we show up and they had Cornish hens with barbecue sauce. And we sat down at the table and they put big towels over us. And they said, the best way for us to get to know you is to eat Cornish hens without utensils. My wife's looking at me like, is this for real? Are we really going to do this? And I'm like, yeah, baby. We're, we're in. I'm in. I'm in on this. And I tore into that thing. But we got to know them really well, really fast, you know. But, but some, something about breaking bread, eating together, brings people together still to this day. Last summer, we did the series, Let's Eat. Jesus literally, he literally had meals by the dozens with people. Matter of fact, one of the reasons he went to the cross, he was crucified, they said because he ate with publicans and sinners. He ate with the wrong people. He ate with people who didn't know God, who were lost. Thank God for Jesus, who wasn't afraid to mix it up with people who didn't really see him as the Messiah. And that's a statement about us saying, don't be afraid to have people in your home, your neighbors, friends, people you work with in the environment where you can get to know them and you can break bread together. I think that's a powerful, powerful tool. Number three, bread creates a sense of security. Now, when I use the word security, I'm talking about an emotional security because your need of food is going to be met. Isn't it a great feeling when you're hungry and you know you can go get good food? How many of you like leftovers? I'm just kind of, t- okay. How many of you just can't handle leftovers? You cook it and you eat it and you are done. Okay. That's about, every service has been about, about like that. I love leftovers. Matter of fact, sometimes, like if I cook a, a, a meal or Bonnie cooks a meal that is like one of my favorites, then I just, on purpose, I won't eat it all because I want to know there's some more of that <laughs> in the refrigerator. You know, it's just important. It's like the refrigerator being full is special. It really is. There's security there. How many of you sometimes just open the fridge to see if you're hungry? (laughs) That's that's a good thing. Because you know there's something good in there, right? You know there's something good in there. Well, that's what happens when we think about give us this day our daily bread is more than just food for our stomach. It's the security that I'm going to eat. It's the security that says God's going to take care of me. And Jesus was passion, passionate about letting people know that our Heavenly Father knows our needs and he cares about it. R.C. Sproul, who is an author, um, tells some great stories about uh, South Korea after the war. This also happened in Bosnia. It happened in Vietnam where many children lost their parents. What happened after the war was people who loved kids would come in and they built orphanages. Wonderful places for kids to live and grow up and be nurtured. They had three meals a day. But because many of these kids went for days at a time without food during the war, they were completely insecure about food and they needed to know there would be food. And they couldn't sleep at night. Uh, One of the ladies who worked in the orphanage told a story that... They finally figured out that some of these kids that weren't sleeping were worried that tomorrow there wouldn't be any food. Even though they just had three meals. They just would lay down and go, is that my last meal? Is there going to be food here? So what they did is they took uh, loaves of bread and they would have these children who couldn't sleep because of this anxiety, this insecurity. They would tear off a chunk of bread and they would give them that bread to go to bed with. They can say, you can eat it if you want to, but it's going to be here in the morning. They rarely ever ate it, but it allowed them to have security in their life to know they wouldn't be without bread, and then they could sleep. It was kind of like a security blanket. And I started thinking about that in terms of what what is my security blanket? What is it that I'm depending on? What is it that I can say, Lord, sometimes in my life when I have insecurities, and we all do, we all have them. When you face that, what is it that God can do to convince you he can offer that piece of bread, that sustenance, that something, that life, that joy, that peace in your heart and in your life that allows you not to have anxiety in your life. So bread brings security to us in in our our hearts and in our minds. The fourth thing in your outline there is that bread represents the body of Christ. We, We talk about this. During communion. And if you've been around church or you were raised in the church, you realize that uh, even here at Timberline, when we share communion together, uh, Jesus started this when he was with his disciples in the upper room with the Last Supper. And he took a piece of bread, it would have been much like this. He broke off a piece, breaking bread, and he made a statement. He said, This is my body, which is broken for you. And then he took the cup, he took a sip, and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Thus we have these these emblems that we still hundreds of years later celebrate with Christians all over the world in receiving communion with something as simple as bread. But it's what it represents, his life which sustains us. And taking bread in remembrance of our Lord makes this a special uh, activity that we have done for many, many years. At the bottom of your outline, I've put some kind of takeaway thoughts that I want to spend a little bit of time with, and I want to challenge you in some areas for living this week and how we can really deal with this idea of give us this day our daily bread. There's a tension here that I want to talk about. Number one, find a balance between being self-sufficient and fully dependent. Self-sufficient and yet fully dependent. So which is it? <laughs> which does God want us to be? Well, both. Jesus didn't pray, give us a job so that our daily bread is can be provided for by our work. the The words themselves, give, is exactly our, our word give. There's no strings attached. It's not, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It's Give us this day our daily bread. And the emphasis is on what I need for now in this moment today. That's the dependent part because Jesus is saying, I'm going to trust you again tomorrow. He's saying, I'm believing you for the supply today, but I know tomorrow I'm going to pray this again and I'm going to trust you for tomorrow. Then you have parables in the Bible. You have stories that Jesus told about the talents about treasure, about coins, where he says invest wisely. Some of you who are investing, maybe you're looking toward retirement, you have that, quote, nest egg, Um, you're you're looking forward to that, you're planning, you should be a planner. The Bible teaches us, Jesus taught us to be planners and to do a good job in being self-sufficient, knowing that the provision you have now to save is coming from God. So how can I reconcile these two differences? Am I supposed to be self-sufficient? I'm a self-made man or woman. I can do this on my own? No, because I need to recognize I am fully dependent on this God who created me. So here's, here's I think, how we find that balance. We work hard in our mind to recognize that all of our planning and everything that we have doesn't really belong to us anyway. We are stewards of what he has put in our hands. And I've used this for years with you guys where open palms living, where God can, God can give and God can take away. But I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to be a grabber. I'm ne- I don't own the shirt on my back. We don't own anything. We're not owners. We're stewards. And so if I remember that, it helps me to recognize that stuff can come into my life, stuff can leave my life, but I know this. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to plan. I'm going to be diligent about doing a good job in my planning. But at the end of the day, give us this day our daily bread. I'm going to recognize that every good gift comes from God. And he's the owner of everything in my life. I hope that makes sense. Find that balance in your life. Number two, if I have bread, I am able to offer it to others. This expands the prayer a little bit because Jesus doesn't go into this, but I guarantee you, with other things that he taught, give us this day our daily bread, and it's plural, it's us. Give us our daily bread. So it signifies this idea of us being family. We call this our living room, so that our needs are met. That means that if I have bread, I could offer you some bread. If I don't have bread, I can't offer that to you. I can't give you what I do not have. And so it's imperative for us as the body of Christ to recognize that some of the gifts that I am given and the bread if I can use that word, that is in my life, isn't mine either. It's given to me so that I may be a giver of bread to others, whatever that is. And if I keep that in mind, it helps me navigate through life because I, I don't know about you, but emotionally, I really like to be around people who are not on empty all the time. Christians that live on full and they, they have a, a, a reservoir in their life of patience, of kindness. They're, they're thinking deeply about things that trouble them. They're not impulsive and doing crazy things or saying, you know, something they shouldn't be saying. They're thoughtful. And that's because they're hopefully living on full. When you live on full, you make better decisions. And I don't mean just physically full. I mean emotionally and spiritually. That's why feeding ourselves with the scripture, with with meditation on God, taking the time to, to think about godly things in this world. That's so spiritual. I I had a uh, something happened in my life that really reminded me of this and it was just a physical thing, but I I was I went to the airport. This was years ago, I was on a ministry trip, I was speaking somewhere in another state, and I came back and I got like a late flight because I'd much rather get home late and wake up in my own bed. Anybody with me on that? You know what I'm saying? So I landed at DIA like at 1230 or one o'clock in the morning. It was super late. I got in my car. I was really tired. (laughs) I got like, this was before the tollway was built. And so I was doing that back Greeley, you know, the little roads, you know, we used to take back there. And I was about halfway in on that. And my, my light in my car, this car had a thing that would tell you how many miles you could go with the fuel you had left and and it didn't say anything and i was too tired to notice they call them idiot lights <laughs> because you're an idiot if one of those starts blinking so it was saying you idiot you idiot it was yelling at me basically and it was saying no fuel i was like done and then it hit me oh, i was going to fill up before i left and i didn't and i was i was just i was running on empty and emotionally spiritually and I started, my palms started sweating. I was so nervous. I got anxious. I'm thinking, I can't call Bonnie at 1 o'clock in the morning and say, oh, honey, I ran out of gas. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, have you ever been in a situation where you just say, oh, God, please this one time. Just, just one time. If you do this one time, I'll never ask for this again. And then you go into, oh, God, you're the great God. You can even make gasoline for a car. I believe you can. I prayed. I I sought the Lord. But no, he didn't help. So I get to I-25, and I've done this trip enough to know it's like six miles to this 24-hour gas station that I know is open. And I am doing everything in my power to just nurse this car, and it starts to chug a couple times. So I'm, like, going like this, trying to get the gas to move around in the tank, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I literally get to the ramp off the interstate that goes off to the right, and then you cross over to this gas station. And my car, when I was coming down the other side of that ramp, dies. I'm out of gas completely. So the power steering goes out, power brakes go out, and, but I'm going to make it. Like, I'm, I'm realizing I can coast. And I did. I coasted right down in next to that Fuel tank. I was so excited. This is when gas was like $4 a gallon, and I did not care at all. I was so happy. I pulled in there, and I mean I put that nozzle in there. I still remember how happy I was to fill that car up. Now, here's why I'm telling you this story. When I got back in the car and started north on I-25, I noticed that the moon, the light from the moon was hitting those snow-capped Rocky Mountains, and it was gorgeous. I mean, it was But I had never even noticed that before. Because I was running on empty. When you're running on empty, you don't see the beauty around you. I noticed that I had my favorite CD playing in my car, but I never even heard it when I was worrying and anxious about running out of gas. Why? I was running on empty. When you're running on empty, you don't hear the music that's all around you. And it just hit me. It just hit me. Everything in my life, when I'm running on empty, I do not live well. That's why we need to say, give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because today I need it. I need it today. Yesterday's bread isn't going to sustain me spiritually, emotionally for life. Because life has a way of sucking life out of you, doesn't it? And that's why we need to daily take our bread. Enjoy the bread I have for today, number three. Enjoy the bread I have for today. I encourage you, plan for tomorrow, but don't worry about tomorrow. Live today to the fullest that you can. You don't know if you have tomorrow. We hear cliches like that all the time, but boy, is it true. It's absolutely true. Plan, but don't worry about tomorrow. The last thing that I want to leave you with is number four. Never cease being grateful if there's one takeaway that I would ask you to remember from this day it's to live grateful for the rest of your life we are so blessed you know when you when you research for messages like this you come across stats of the needs of the world the hunger of the world the need for bread and I just, I just sat there in my study saying, God, thank you so much for the blessings of my life. What brings me security? Is it your savings account? Is it your health? Is it your marriage, your children? What is it? I hope it's give us this day our daily bread. That my security rests in the fullness of what God can put in my life. Gratitude. Gratitude is right at the heart of godliness. It's right at the heart of godliness. I really believe that. I want you to say this wonderful prayer with me as we've done each week from your heart. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you bow your head with me? Lord, thank you so much that you prayed this prayer, not so we could just memorize it or put it on a plaque. But you prayed it from your heart to your heavenly Father, and you knew, you knew that He would sustain you on a daily basis. Remind us of that on this day. Show us that you are a God of provision. With heads bowed, I, I know this is personal, but that's that's what we do here at Timberline. Well, let's keep it personal. So don't be embarrassed about this. If you are praying for something of provision in your life right now? It could be, you know, it could be a job. It could be finances. It could be insurance, maybe medical bills. There's there's tons of stuff. Maybe you're a student. You're, you need provision, and you don't know where it's going to come from at this point, but I don't want you to feel embarrassed by it because we've all had different times and seasons in our life. But would you let us just pray with you if you need provision in any way. It could be health issues and not money at all. Just slip up a hand to God and say, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you to be a God of provision in my life with this need. I want to pray over you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the sincerity. I thank you for these brothers and these sisters who have said, I'm trusting you in this need of provision. Would you comfort us with your peace but do the work that only God can do in our lives. May we hear of stories of your provision in ways that we would have never dreamed that you, the creator of the universe, would care about our need. Your grace is sufficient to help us through this, and we trust you. We trust you. We believe in you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. Lord, we want you to be the security that we take to bed at night. We want you to be that bread that emotionally fills us, spiritually fills us, physically fills us. Thank you for praying this prayer and meaning it and leaving us with the opportunity to believe you as we pray for your bread in our lives. In your name.